0: hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the higher ed geek podcast episode number 65 with steve robinson uh recorded this one a little while back uh, after seeing the great work that steve is doing with his uh CC stigma podcast uh working to highlight the great work that community colleges are doing all across the country um so really was impressed with his show and uh Came to learn that he's uh, quite the avid uh, podcaster and audio geek and uh, just all-around great guy, so really appreciate the time that I had with Steve to learn more about his story and what he's all about. Uh, So definitely uh, check out all the cool stuff we mentioned in this episode down in the show notes. Uh, And really appreciate Steve taking some time out to record this episode and definitely connect with him uh, to keep the conversation going. So uh, thank you so much for listening. And without further ado, this is episode number 65 with Steve Robinson. Yeah, we'll go ahead and get started here. And we'll uh, uh, start out as we always do. uh, And I'll just say at the start here, really just appreciate you making time and uh, talking about, you know, uh, your work and everything that you're doing. I've uh, sort of just stumbled across you through your efforts uh, podcasting about ending uh, community college stigma. So um, we'll definitely get to talking more about that and kind of your experience with podcasting so far. But yeah, we'll just start out. Uh, yeah, start out as we always do to have you introduce yourself and give a brief overview of your professional journey and how you got to be where you are today.
1: Okay, great. Well, thanks for having me Dustin. Uh the um I guess it my professional journey in community colleges started when I was doing an internship at Lansing Community College. I was halfway through a master's degree in English literature, kind of wondering what I was going to do with that. I really loved it, but um I tagged along with a buddy who was um teaching at the local community college and I had one of these lightning bolt um life-changing experiences. I just thought to myself, this is exactly what I want to do. So I went back to the English department, changed the focus of my master's degree, and I've been a community college person uh, ever since. I started uh, as an English professor. I was in the classroom for 15 years and did a number of uh, administrative jobs after that. Uh, I was president of my faculty union for about 10 years, and I've just always uh, been very much at home in the two-year college, uh, community college setting.
0: Well, I guess if there's anything, because you mentioned, like, that happening more, like, in your uh, graduate work, that transition to kind of the, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just, like, you really found, like, a place to uh, kind of commit to and do good work in the community college setting. But I'm curious if there's anything in addition to that really, like, pivotal moment for you, like, I always like hearing from people, like, what their, like, undergraduate college experience was like, because, you know, those are the people that we're supporting. And it's always neat to hear um people who go into higher ed or not, just like what their college experience was like, um, anything kind of formative from there, since I think it is just a very develop, you know, developmental moment for so many people. Um, but yeah, anything that you look back on, any like um, memories, like any experience from college, personal, professional, like just community mentors or um, any sort of like lessons or things like that, that still kind of are salient for you today.
1: Yeah, tons of them. I had a wonderful college experience. Um, I wasn't a great high school student. I kind of got into um, my college by the skin of my teeth. I I went to Michigan State University, ended up staying there for many, many years. I went off as a technical theater major because that was my passion as a high school student and uh did a bunch of productions undergrad and then kind of changed my major but to your question you know i actually credit a mentor with getting me through my um baccalaureate work Um, as a complete beginner i started music lessons in the music department and Mm -hmm. studied the double bass and i had not played an instrument before Uh, the double bass professor at michigan state took me on as a beginner and he was my de facto mentor even though i was only a music minor um, he was the person that I, you know, sounded off about frustrations and, and, uh, I ended up taking lessons with him you know, all the way through, uh, my master's program, uh, actually took a break between bachelor's and master's to, uh, play in a band, um, work in a music store, that kind of thing. But, uh, it was my mentorship with Peter Dominguez, the professor of double bass. He's now at Oberlin, uh, probably getting close to retirement. He's a, he's a great guy. And and I loved Michigan State. You know, uh, there's something about a big uh, state university. You know, a research university where uh-huh. there are little pockets where you can be yourself and do things like I did in theater and music. But um, you know, big enough that it kind of feels like the world. Uh, my wife also went to Michigan State, and we uh, we joke that one of the things we learned at Michigan State is that we. Uh, there are lots of, there are lots of people in the world and you're not incredibly special, <laughs> you can, <laughs> right? You, 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 you there's, uh, there's another one of you right around the corner and, um, you kind of have to make things happen for yourself.
0: Right. I think that's, uh, somebody I worked with who, um, has lived and worked in New York city for a very long time. It's like the idea of like, there's always somebody doing like better than you and worse than you. So it's that idea of kind of being like very humble. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. any moment. Cause I, I'm you know, like humble to a fault, but like I think it's important for us to like to have that, yeah, and maybe just like knowing that you kinda have to work for what you get and those sort of like not I don't know. Yeah, it's just a very good sentiment, just funny, yeah. Like sort of a very different way of getting to a similar feeling. But um, Yeah,
1: that, that's how I felt at a big state university and uh I was still in touch with a lot of people I went to college with and you know, there for some things there was a an incredible amount of competition. One of my passions as an undergrad was stu- um student radio. And mm. so I had a, a program on the, on the FM station, but it took me three years to get there. I was highly competitive, had to do a show on cable FM and uh, kind of prove myself, work my way up. And, um, you know, it was a formative experience for me. I, I really did have a
0: great college experience. Mm. Awesome. Um, well, I, I hope we will, uh, maybe talk a little bit more about like music. It sounds like it might be something that you kind of just like geek out about. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, But uh, I guess, yeah, I mean, that kind of gives like a kind of formative background throughout a lot of your experiences before starting this uh, work that you've been doing for a while um, in a lot of different ways within the community college setting. So I think just whether you want to kind of dig into different pieces throughout your tenure or um, anything just more recently with your current role of just like, Mm -hmm. what do you enjoy most about your current work? And maybe this is, you know, where the podcast comes in. I mean, we we can talk about that, too, if, if there's anything else. But I mean... Yeah, like what do you enjoy most about your current work that keeps you kinda of energized to come at it, come back at it every day?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm uh, I'm fortunate to have pretty much been in love with every job I've had in the community college and I've had several. You know, I I started working at a community college when I was twenty four. So more than half of my life I, I've been working in this setting and, you know, whatever role I had seemed to fit where I was in life. And uh so I've been a college president for two years and um, I love this job, it's a great job, and one of the things that really attracts me to this kind of work is the incredible diversity of you know, what my calendar's like, what my inbox is like. I mean, I uh, don't spend a ton of time at my desk. I'm uh, walking around campus, I'm going off to community meetings, um, building relationships, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of interesting from a life journey for me when I was, uh, when I first started off as a, as, as a classroom teacher, even though I was outgoing enough to teach, I wasn't, um, uh, I, w- I wasn't the person who would, you know, shake hands and work the room and, 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 and do all that kind of stuff. And my job now requires that. So it, it's kind of fits where I am right now. Uh, we have a lot of, um, yeah uh, great things going on in our community and in Ohio uh, regarding community colleges and one thing i love about community colleges is um we we really have a lot of um allies around the uh in all kinds of spaces uh-huh. we, you know education higher education is very political but you know, uh, community college is kind of not very partisan. We've got um, friends on uh, in both of the two major parties, and it's very rare that uh, some kind of partisan uh, issue uh, derails a community college issue. And so uh, the civic life, the dealing with faculty, dealing with uh, interesting problems that come up, uh, I, I wake up excited to you know solve the puzzle
0: of what the day is going to bring. Mm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. Like literally in the name kind of thing, you know? Yeah. It's just like very community oriented and building those mm-hmm. relationships. And, you know, the idea that, um, education as it being, you know, like an equalizer, it's like, it doesn't discriminate. Like anybody can come in and work towards whatever goals that they're hoping to achieve. And, um, hopefully, uh, you know, kind of build some community while they're at it. And, uh, cause like you said, I mean, wherever students go, it's like more often than not, it's like people do make like, you know, these lifelong friendships or build like mentorships and those sort of things. So, um, like community in a lot of senses for literally like kind of just the whole neighborhood and on a more individual level and all those sort of things I can definitely see, but that would be a definitely exciting and energizing, uh, kind of part of your work. And I guess also too, I mean, just you being really committed to this segment of higher education and, uh, getting into that podcast, like we're talking about, mm-hmm. I guess it's, you know, that you would have a little bit of kind of leeway to uh, experiment and do these sort of things where, you know, you are sort of putting yourself out there, putting your institution on the map, you know, on one hand, if it's, I don't know if you're getting kind of just like free clearance to do that, or if you're at least kind of uh, working with any colleagues to kind of control messaging. Cause I know you're really like, I think it's always a, a good sign of a good podcast I think you're you're definitely putting the uh, spotlight more so on uh, other folks to, to speak and kind of uh, talk right. through things but I guess yeah like what was that experience of like getting that started and doing it as like you know uh, something that I know you're kind of uh, I guess working on I think season two right like that should be coming soon right. like just like kind of where where you see it going and I guess yeah how it got started.
1: Yeah, there's a lot embedded in what you uh, <laughs> brought up there. And, and it's cool. So a couple pieces. One is it's only been a couple of years, but this is the first role that I've had where I really didn't have to go and get somebody's clearance or sign mm. off to do it. You know, it's like, um, you know, as, as being the chief executive of the organization, um, you know, it it's not, you know, a unilateral, I'm going to do whatever the heck I want. But uh, there isn't a committee or a boss I have to go before. I, I have to think of, you know, my the nine trustees and then the culture of our college. Uh but one thing about that is we have a brand new strategic plan at our college and one of the 20 key objectives is is to do some um image management for our institution and for community colleges in general. And this term community college stigma is actually in our strategic plan. So hmm. when I'm doing the podcast I'm really doing the work of the institution. Uh, another thing, uh, we just recently revised our our vision statement. One of the vision statements is to become a premier uh, community college, and that means kind of getting a uh, you know some national exposure for raising an issue. So the uh, success of the podcast, the great interest in dealing directly with community college stigma, has I think it's really uh, propelling our strategic planning work forward. And then um, you couldn't be more right about uh, highlighting the voices of other people. Um, that podcast, the, the Community College Stigma podcast, actually has a mission statement, which is you know to amplify the voices of people who are using social media to push back on community college stigma and create a more accurate view of America's community colleges. So it's a voice amplification um, message. And that's what's going to happen in season two. We're going to try to do even more to create dialogue and, and highlight different voices.
0: Yeah, because I think it. I talk about this a fair bit with other people who podcast and just like mm-hmm. with the boom that it's had in the past several years. It's fairly transparent, I think, when it is a very like kind of ego serving endeavor for people. Like, you uh-huh. know, so that's, like, I, I kind of get turned on like they, they can still be entertaining, but I think it, it always kind of has that little kind of asterisks on it where it's just like okay this is like a vanity project you know seeing I guess more yeah, but- so with like celebrity and people and like entertainment and stuff but it because at the, at the core of it the medium I know I've just been a fan of it for so long and using it in the ways like you're doing to just like really like literally voice it you know it's just somebody's voice they're just speaking to something and just being able to help provide a platform and um have really good dialogues and discussions and um talk about important things but doing it in a really engaging and relevant way um I'm just always uh, always a supporter of so I'm, I'm glad that you you know decided to uh to dive in I guess I'm curious like you said like you had experience with radio and I feel like Cause I dabbled with it in high school. So mm-hmm. it sort of like scratches that itch of always like enjoying yes. sort of like content creation or just, you know, audio, um, recording and that sort of stuff. So do, do you feel like it sort of like hits another thing like that of just like you've, you've always kind of been into this sort of stuff. So it sort of just manifested as like a, cause you know, you could do video, you could do blogging, you could do like any form of like content creation. So did like podcasting stick out in particular for sort of like your past experiences?
1: It it did uh, for a couple reasons. So, um, I, mean, I mentioned undergrad. I did a lot of music, and you know, when I was a faculty member and even a dean, you know, I found time to be in a band here or there. But um, since I became a provost and now president, I just really don't have any time to play out. But I, I love to mess around with um, uh, you know wires and microphones and, and and all kinds of stuff like that. So this is a great outlet for that. Um, and actually, I kind of credit the students at Owens Community College for getting me back into audio production because uh, it's, a, it's a short story, but it's worth telling. The, um, I'm, I'm a vinyl record fanatic. I've got a program on the student radio station called The Vinyl Hour where all I do is play Uh, records, uh, vinyl records. And that was the student's idea because we had a a record store owner here in Toledo who tragically passed away. And so I did like an hour radio tribute to him. I sent it over to the students and they were really sweet. They said, you know, this is like one of the coolest things we have. You need to turn this into a regular program. So uh, I started uh, that program, and then that got me, you know, back into this. I started a a, a podcast that I do specifically for faculty and staff on our campus. It's a uh, kind of a campus engagement uh, podcast. And then when uh, we started using social media on the community college stigma uh, issue, I was having these phone calls and email exchanges, and the power. The power came from other people's voices, and I thought, well, geez, I could write this. I could. I have a blog. I keep at the college. I could have put it on there. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be great to hear all these different voices from all over the country? Um, and so, you know, in Community College Month, which is April, I set out to do four short podcast episodes, and that just wasn't enough time with all the people who wanted to uh, connect with me. So we did six hour-long podcasts. I had. Uh, Forty different guests in that one month It was a marathon was from fifteen states, uh, twenty-seven different organizations, and um, immediately when we were done, I started uh, getting contacted about, well, what are you going to do next? Uh, when is this going to happen again?
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's in a great, it's a great podcast. Yeah, it's fun. And I think, it's fun. Yeah, like, and I guess too, like you've had the. Because I, I mostly record with people over Skype, and I've had mm-hmm. a few opportunities to record with people in person. But it sounds like because you've, you've interviewed people, like your institution, or just like other uh, places by the sounds. Because I know sometimes it's always hard; like it's never going to be the same uh, in terms of just like different things when you're recording over Skype. But like, yeah, I mean, just like, it seems like you, you you know you know so many people, and you have so many people like that are great for it at, at work at your institution so yeah i'm sure it's just like no shortage of guests and then just yeah being able to like grab time with people either locally or virtually and um yeah just kind yeah, of perfect. like mixing in the getter to really like just yeah like amplify all those voices it's so it's so great so it's really cool i to had see. fun doing yeah.
1: it a lot of the calls um a lot of them were uh phone calls and if you listen to the podcast some of the you know, most of the audio is pretty good. Uh, I did a good job of, I think, cleaning up some of the phone calls uh-huh. and getting the, mi- the mix minus working. I mean, there's some technical podcasting stuff. You have to do that. Um, we'll, we'll probably do some Skype in season two. Uh, my, my co-host, Rachel James, and I will, um, we're going to try to do what you and I are doing, or we'll do some double enders where we either have the guest go to the media folks in their organization uh, and get some technical help or and I'll let you know how this goes. I've got a I've I've got this grand scheme to just send them a uh, a nice Zoom digital recorder. They're so cheap now. Uh-huh. Uh and with with return postage and have them just send it back to me because the audio is just so much better the the uh episodes where I was able to get a high quality recording of the other guest or meet with them in person, it just it
0: it felt a lot uh, a lot better. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, that that's a very clever idea. Yeah. I'd be very curious to hear how that might work out. Because I mean, yeah, it's like any, which again, part of the beauty of podcasts, podcast, I think people are willing to tolerate, like, a little bit of like, audio hiccups, or just like, it's not, you know, pristine, high end quality, mm-hmm. like, as long as the content's really good, I think people will like, you know, and it's not even, like, suffering. It's just, like, okay, it's, it's clearly different. You know, it sounds like a phone call. People are used to that, like, you know, you listen to, like, NPR or something. You know, like, they're bringing people sure. in really, like, on the fly. But, like, yeah, like, even just that ounce of, like, and th- you know, it's, like, sort of something, like, oh, we're just, like, mailing it, and we got to get it back or whatever, like, which I guess is a little bit more of an ounce. It's more I mean, kind of, like, a pound of effort or whatever. Like, that really shows up, you know, in the audio quality, like you are saying. I mean, and it just making sure that, like, the voice that you're amplifying is coming through as loud and clear as possible, you know, um, certainly like worthwhile, whatever way it can work out. Cause yeah, I guess the other methods, like most institutions will have some sort of like, you know, optimal setup for people to, you know, record one way or another, like a soundproof sure. room or yeah, or anything. Yeah. Just like renting a microphone or something, you know? Um, so yeah, that, that'd be great just to like help coordinate. Cause I've just gotten into like a rhythm of like, because like just as long as you like use some headphones or something, like you don't like you know, like I'm I'm not trying to like you know put upon people too much, but yeah, in some right. in some instances like I wish I did, because like it's a really great episode, but there's some audio stuff. So yeah, that's great.
1: Well, not everybody uh finds this stuff as fun as you and I do. <laughs> so uh with the the challenge is making it um making it easy for them. So the two part strategy, and I'll let you know how it goes. One, we're gonna if we're talking to folks at colleges or big nonprofits, and that's where you know, our next episodes are going to have a single anchor guest, and then we're going to have a number of student uh, interviews. And so the idea is to, if if possible, get that person to reach out to their tech or media folks. And I put together a one, uh, like a half page spe- uh, spec sheet about what we need from them. And anybody who deals with this kind of stuff will look at that and say, "Oh yeah, we can do that." But if but if this isn't your hobby, doing it yourself. Um, you know, would seem, uh, daunting. So, uh, I'm going to experiment with this, you know, hundred dollar zoom H one, just put it in the mail return label. And then as we're, you know, getting going, just sort of coaching them on how to set it up. And then when we're done, just tuck it in the box and send it back. I'm crossing my fingers. I hope it'll
0: work. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, best of luck with that. It's a, it's <laughs> a good plan, but yeah, it's just like hoping that it was like, it was like, Oh, I need it for somebody else. And you haven't mailed it back yet or get lost or whatever. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, yeah, it's clear, like, yeah, you kind of geek out about, like, you know, good audio quality and, like, music and um, vinyl and that kind of stuff. So I guess if you want to speak to just, like, anything else maybe that you're geeking out about or digging in with any of those things, because I'm sure there's maybe just kind of some anecdotes of what what those passions and those interests have meant for you in terms of, like, um, you know, community mm-hmm. or anything like that. But, yeah, just, like, I guess talking through, um, yeah, the stuff that you're, like, geeking out about right now.
1: Well, a lot of it, you know, we were talking about podcasting, and I do have sort of a, a, a studio set up in my outer office at the college, and that's where I do this podcast that I call Teachable Moment. Uh, so far, I've only had faculty on, but I really want staff members to come on. The idea of that podcast is um, uh, a member of our campus community comes on the show and teaches me an idea from her or his area of expertise. So I've had like um, a psychologist came on, taught me about people first language and the disability community had a geographer come on uh, teaching me this core concept from intro geography called cultural hearth. And it's a great way to do two things. One is to connect with the people on our campus because we have phenomenal folks. And then the second piece is to kind of promote them. A couple of these podcasts uh, have uh, been good enough that these faculty want to put them in their blackboard shells to, you know, Use them as supplemental instruction for their mm-hmm. students. So um, and then uh, recently, uh, one of the things I've been I've been getting more and more into audio editing, uh, which I used to find really tedious. Uh, but I'll give you one interesting thing I geeked out about this week with our folks. Um, our media folks are doing a new student orientation video. We're gonna be doing our uh, new student orientation vi- uh, a little differently. And they want to have like a, it's like a three minute intro with me as a talking head at the beginning. And we've got a great videographer. He's awesome. He put a lav mic on me and we're like walking across campus. Uh. And when we were done, I said, you know, I've been, I've been doing a lot of um, audio post-production. And if you want, I can take one of my nicer microphones and re-record some of this um and his eyes lit up said, oh that would be so cool so actually he sent me the um this is very geeky he sent <laughs> me the <laughs> the lav mic output from the camera video shoot and i recreated it uh, here at home uh and sent it to him but i actually had to you know make sure that it was exact because he's going to you know sync it up with you know my moving image in the video and that's not uh exactly easy. So I can't wait to see what, what that's like. So just that. And I'm always, um, I'm always playing around with uh record setup. I do this, uh, vinyl record show. i uh, always trying to find some better way to do it with, uh, I've got turntables and speakers and that kind of stuff all over the place.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, nah, yeah. And I think, cause my, like, in high school, what I did was, like – it was, um, like, a technical high school, and you chose, sort of, like, what your, um, sort of, shop class, you know, would be. And it was mm-hmm. – radio, TV is what I chose. And um, when I went to college, I just took, like, you know, intro to film and, like, a couple of different film classes. And mm-hmm. I've just always kind of, like, geeked out about those sort of things of, like, doing that, like uh, – I, I I can't remember exactly what the acronym stands for, but it's like ADR, like that, like kind of like post-production audio um, recording and stuff. And like, sometimes there's just like those instances where it's like really bad, but like the idea mm-hmm. is like, there's so much value of just like, again, like high quality audio, like making sure that like you can be understood and it's just like, you know, yeah, you're recording outside, you're getting all the background noise or, you know, anything right. like that. So um, yeah, I'm sure just like, yeah. You know, anytime you do any sort of video producing, it's like, you know, you don't know where anybody's at on the spectrum of just like understanding like what it takes to have good audio quality, your video quality and those sort of things. So, it's uh, yeah, I'm sure anybody that you're working with is uh, very grateful for your kind of, you know, enthusiasm and interest and just knowledge of just, uh, you know, committing to making all of this content uh, high quality. So. Um,
1: Yeah, and they do a great job. I mean, I'm really lucky to have really talented media folks at our college. And so uh, this is a way where I could kind of um, collaborate with them. And uh, it's interesting, too, because uh, one of the things I've been doing lately, um, I gave a a talk at the NYSOD conference about podcasting. And and to me, uh, this stuff is more about technique than the actual gear. I mean, the microphone I'm talking through right now is not a high-end microphone. But at my uh, at my presentation in Austin, I put a picture of a, like a Neumann U87, the, like the NPR microphone. I said, look, here here's a four thousand dollar microphone or a thirty-two hundred dollar microphone, and you you could have your own radio station for that uh, amount of money now. Uh-huh. Um, I'm starting to work with some local activists who have built a, um, uh, FM low power station. And it's just amazing what people can do with, with pretty bare bones technology. So it's, it's more about using this gear the right way rather than, you know, having
0: this high end gear. Uh Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I guess then I'm curious, um, it was just like asking people, you know, what they're uh, reading, watching, and or listening to. So um, Mm -hmm. yeah, anything that's just like grabbing your attention that you might want to recommend folks to check out.
1: Well, since we've been talking podcasting, I have to admit that I'm not a voracious podcast listener, but I have been probably since the beginning of the medium, you know, listening to a little bit of it. And one, whenever anybody asks me that question, I like to highlight a little podcast that I love um, called Philosophy Bites. Uh, philosophy Bites is a uh, philosophy podcast out of uh, England uh, put together by Nigel Warburton and uh, David Edmonds, and it was kind of the inspiration for Teachable moment. The The, the podcasts are never longer than 15 minutes, and they always have uh, one uh, prominent philosopher, uh, academic philosopher, on to talk about a very limited idea in um, in in philosophy. So, for example, like a, a, a particular thought experiment from Plato's Republic or, or something really small, bite-sized, so they can dig in. And uh, I just think that's a great way to explore an idea uh, is, is through dialogue and with um, back and forth. And so um, they've been doing that podcast since, gosh, it's, uh, it's really been around for a long time. It's proliferated to other projects um, that are podcasts. Uh but you know, listeners who are interested in philosophy uh would probably really love uh philosophy bites. I, I I listen to that pretty regularly. Um I also like this new um broken record podcast that uh Malcolm Gladwell has done with Rick Rubin. I don't know if you've listened to it. It's it's pretty it's pretty good.
0: Yeah, just listen to an episode of uh the revisionist history podcast that he does. Um, right. So yeah, I several episodes of that one. So um yeah. It's cool to see that he's, uh, uh, kind of getting into podcasting a little bit more. Um, like it's just neat, like witnessing when certain like notable people are like catching the bug, you know, like they're just really getting mm-hmm. into the format and investing in it. So, um, always, always a good thing, but, um, yeah, we'll definitely include links out to those and, um, yeah, those are good ones. Yeah. Those are good
1: ones. I'm trying to think of other things. I um, uh at this time of um we've got a lot of uh, things going on at the college, and particularly and uh, we got the biennial budget going through in, in Columbus. So I haven't had a lot of time to sit and and read. Um I uh. I, I am reading the Mueller report. I got through volume one. I, it occurred to me that uh, it's something that you know a citizen ought to do, right? I remember when my I think my grandparents read the Warren report mm. when it came out, and so it seemed like something uh, to civically educate yourself. So, I've read uh, volume one so far the Mueller report. Wow! But apart from that, I'm just mostly you know buried in work.
0: Oh. Um, yeah, I feel like that's like. Tragically how it goes sometimes, I'm just like, whether we're in school or just have to like read a lot for work or whatever, like, I know I find it hard to find time to like read purely for pleasure and, uh, Mm -hmm. but certainly kudos to you for, uh, reading like the primary document that many people are just like now commenting on. It's like, I'm sure many people may have not actually read the entire thing. So, um,
1: yeah, I'd like to be, when I'm old, I want to be able to say, well, yeah, I read that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, um, I, you know, and, and like I said, it reminds me of other primary documents that, you know, people talk around, but, you know, haven't read. And, and I'll just say this for volume one. It's, it's, I mean, it's fairly well written. Uh, you know, it's, a uh it was a big undertaking uh to to do that investigation volume 1 is just about the russian interference in the election i haven't gotten to the to the other pieces but uh, it's very thorough
0: hmm. interesting um well i guess then um we can wrap up with the uh optimistic end note that i always like to um kind of conclude with here so um mm-hmm. yeah something or things that you're you're looking forward to in your job life and or the world um yeah, I guess just whatever, whatever comes to mind.
1: Okay. Well, a few, I, I'm a very optimistic person, so I'm always looking forward (laughs) to things. Um, but I gave this some thought. There are a couple of things I'd like to highlight. Um, and your listeners, even the ones who aren't in Ohio might be really interested in this. So on July 3rd, which is coming up, um, the state law in Ohio will officially recognize uh, something that's called the dynamic symbol of accessibility. And I'm sure you're, you're familiar with the sort of wheelchair icon that you'll see on accessible parking signs and hang tags mm-hmm. and accessible um, bathrooms. Well, a team of designers about 10 years ago uh, redesigned that icon to, um, to, from kind of a people-first perspective to give it some, a sense of forward motion and activity. Um, It's a really cool redesign. It still looks like a person in a wheelchair, but the person has their arms cocked back like they're moving and they're leaning forward. And a couple of states in in the United States have adopted this instead of the older symbol, uh, New York and Connecticut, and Ohio just did that. And it's something I've been uh, paying attention to for a long time. So as as silly and small as it seems, I'm really excited that the state law in Ohio has uh, pivoted away from using the word handicap on these these spots and also uh, adopted this new a dynamic symbol of accessibility. And so that's very fresh and uh, something I've been following for a long time, kind of exciting. Um, uh, and if you live in another part of the country, be, be watching for it, you'll, you'll see it. it's kind of uh. cool. And I'll send you a link, the, the, the icon actually was uh, the subject of an exhibit at the MoMA in New York City a few years ago. Um, it's a really great piece of kind of grassroots, graphic design that has taken hold. I think there's some provinces in Canada that have adopted it as well. So um, that's one thing. And then we talked about another thing I'm really excited about. Um, We're gonna be gearing up next month to uh, produce uh, the second series of the Community College Stigma podcast. And um, been really thoughtful about how to do things differently. Uh, Before it was just me talking to people. So now I'm gonna have a co-host, Rachel James, who works at the Aspen Institute. Uh, She's a community college graduate and uh we're going to kind of do this together she'll um she'll interview anchor guests i'll interview students and then we'll kind of unpack um the episode together in dialogue and
0: uh so i'm really excited to get that going very cool yeah um all good stuff yeah i mean it's it's something i remember seeing i think when that accessibility logo changed um and i guess yeah like having it have to very like you know, it's taken probably a long time just over different localities or states or different things, yeah. You know, like just norming it and making it something mm-hmm. that people are uh committing to using. So, um, right. And
1: it's not uh, it's not without controversy, like anything that matters, there are going to be people on both sides of the uh issue. So, the the new icon actually has some detractors, has some critics, and um, you know, it's it's interesting. I just um, I just did a bunch of tweets about this, and uh, folks in the uh, disability community in different parts of the world got involved in the discussion. It's all civil, but um, you know the whole the whole focus on people first language or identity first language, and then this um, uh, icon, you know, really sparks conversation. That's my favorite part of it is that um, you know these are issues that are best explored in dialogue. And not everybody's coming from the same place. not like the old icon is bad and the new one is good. Um, But, you know, all of these symbols, just like language, are imbued with meaning. And so having dialogue about it is really cool. So that's one of the things I'm excited
0: about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And I feel like it's probably, like, one of those things, like, because it's always, like, it always comes up and it, like, annoys me is it like, the idea of changing like team names to be more like inclusive from like you know native american uh, uh-huh. imagery and like any of those things i feel like people will always on the other side of that be like but it'll cost so much to change the signs and i'm like is that really your biggest concern like the one time cost of like changing signs is like enough to just be like we shouldn't even do it it's not even worth it like that's, mm-hmm. yeah at, at the very least yeah like if people are if they feel that way and then are hopefully willing and comfortable to engage in dialogue, it's like, yeah, it's like, that's where the change happens. It's just like people talking and, you know, better understanding where each other is coming from. And, you know, hopefully people are, uh, you know, in the world right now, the perception or people, you know, people I think talk about how much that happens less or doesn't happen as often as it should. But I think, yeah. Again, being the optimist, it's like, yeah, if you're you're putting out your feelings and your thoughts, and you know, just some forward progress that's happening. Um, just hoping, I guess, to you know try to inspire some change or uh, some shifts in opinion or whatnot. But um,
1: yeah, and yeah. the the interestingly enough, the Ohio law kind of envisions that expense of sign change. It's 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 written in such a way that it's all new signage. We'll adopt the uh, new language and the new. In the new symbol, Um, so you know there's there's a way to mitigate those kinds of you know concerns that folks have. What's interesting to me is that um, you know there there's such a diversity of opinion uh, on issues like this, and uh, I think that's great. Uh, In fact, one of the teachable moment uh, podcast episodes I did with a faculty member. You know we talked uh, she's the person who taught me about the the people first language and really did a deep dive into how there there are certain communities where uh those communities are split on whether they would use identity first language or people first language and you know uh we we uh take these things really seriously so and that's good i think
0: yeah i mean it's yeah it's really important i think something that's always on my mind is just sort of like kind of always forward, you know, like, always just, like, even if it's incremental steps or just, like, I don't know, trying to, yeah, just help things along in the right direction. Like you're saying, it's not as if it's going to be this, like, monumental endeavor to change all signs everywhere. It's, like, at least just to start, all new ones are going to be different. And then eventually, like, we will get to changing the old ones, like, you know. um, Because, yeah, it's, like, sure, that is a concern. If it's, like, if we had to coordinate to immediately make – signage changes across an entire state or something, you know, it's just like, yeah, I mean, that would be, that would be a lot, but, um, yeah, there's like a compromise of like, yeah, we'll do it in a common sense way. You know, like we're not going to, you know, put ourselves out too much just to immediately make the change, but it is even then like symbolic in two way, like it's literally a symbol and the meaning that's in that symbol, but like a symbolic effort of just like, this is very much a values thing that we want to commit to at this higher level, um Mm -hmm. and just make that very apparent you know yeah Um, yeah um yeah very cool all good stuff and uh i think that's yeah just a very good uh kind of optimistic thing to look forward to and always kind of find some Mm -hmm. kind of inspiration with and um yeah, I mean, I wish you the best of luck uh, getting season two of the uh, podcast going here soon. And um, well, thank you, and thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah, yeah, always good uh, talking to another higher ed podcaster, and I uh, we'll have ways to connect with you and the work that you're doing, and all the stuff that you mentioned down in the show notes. But um, yeah, just thanks again for your time. This podcast is part of the Connect Edu Podcast Network, bringing together diverse voices in the higher ed community. Check us out on Twitter at connectedu Pod or at ConnectEDU.network. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek podcast.